0: Would you please pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for this day which has been set aside each week for us to cease from our work, to rest in you, to gather with your people, and to be fed by your word how we might be a blessing to this world and to one another as we seek to do so. And we pray, Lord, that as this word is brought forth this day, that like Luke asks, that it may be maybe certain of not only who you are, but how we're to walk with you because of the proclamation of your word this morning. And now, Lord, we ask you by the power of your Holy Spirit to come and descend upon each and every one of us so that you reveal yourself to us in a more powerful way than ever before so that not only Benjamin Owen, but all of us would walk into our baptism like never before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, blessed epiphany to each and every one of you as we walk into this season. The word epiphany means revealing. As I mentioned at the welcome, and we're going to see Luke bring forth readings in our lectionary over the next six weeks. God revealing himself, answering that question, does God exist? Yeah, he does. Here he is. And so that's where we are as far as God's people is concerned here at Christ Church, because this whole series is called That You May Be Certain. Now, certainty is not a popular thing in our culture. In a post-truth culture, where all things are equally true, which is impossible, right? But all truth claims are seen as such. Therefore, to be certain is not a virtue. And so we are called to minister in this culture, and by walking in Luke, not only will we, we be more certain of the truths we've been taught, we'll be more confident to take this good news, which is truly a salve to our culture, you know, to this post-truth day. And it's a culture of confusion, if it's anything, right? And so I encourage you to turn with me in Luke's Gospel to chapter 2. If you're visiting with us, you'll find it in the back of your bulletin. Because there is something for everybody in this text. There's something for our, our parents. There's something for the students among us. And there's something for all of us, young and old alike, as we seek to follow Jesus. So what's going on here in this text? And Luke mentions that Jesus is 12 years of age. In the ancient Jewish family, when you hit 13, you were considered an adult both the men and the women, you know, boys and girls. So during that 12 years age, the boys were tight with their dads and the girls were tight with their moms because during that 12-year time, you learned how to be a man of God, a woman of God. You learned your trade for the upcoming year because you might be apprenticed out of the family as a boy, you know. And then you learned what it meant to walk in the world, you know, as a covenant community member of God. Because there was no such thing as teenagers, you know. You were an adult, you were expected to act like an adult, now go and do it. And that year, 12 years of age was the year you did that in that culture. So that's the stage. And Jesus has been hanging tight with Joseph all this year. And so the feast of the Passover comes. So the first thing we learn in this is a lesson for parents. Verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. So Joseph and Mary went every year to Passover. You may not think, well, of course, that's just like going to Christmas Eve. Not quite. All right? This is the Passover, and it's a 94-mile journey from Nazareth to Jerusalem. That's like walking on foot from here to Conneaut, Ohio. Okay, That's a two-and-a-half, three-day journey in this large caravan of family and friends. They traveled in caravans for pretty much obvious reasons, right? For safety, because no, no bandits are going to attack a large number of people. all right? And two, for camaraderie. It was a joyful time. The women didn't have to go. It was the men who were required to go. So I think that says something about Mary. She went every year with Joseph. And so I think that says a lot of her devotion and her love of the Lord. And not only was this a 94-mile-an-hour journey, which was exhausting, I'm sure, it was also kind of a hassle, right? You know, it's a hassle to get, pack all your stuff. You know you're going to be gone for 10 days round trip. Because that's the Feast of Passover was you know, a further five or six days. I can't remember exactly what, how many days it was. But the reality is, it was a long time that they were there. And it cost money. Joseph and Mary were poor, my friends. We talked about that all during Advent. And so, my friends, it was a hassle. It was exhausting. It cost money. But they went every year. Because God commanded it. Joseph and Mary knew the principle that if I walk in God's ways and not my own ways or the world's ways, I'll be greatly blessed. And I know I'll know the Lord better and I'll be able to serve bearing more fruit. Okay? They were immensely blessed by doing so. So therefore the lesson for us as parents, I include myself in this, men and women in our marriages, no matter whether you've been married for 10 months or 10 years or 75 years, we are called to by God to encourage one another in our marriages and in our families in the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. And we do that by walking in biblical Christianity, not in what we're talking about tonight, the American gospel, which quite frankly at times is a crossless Christianity, which is no Christianity at all. And so today... What a great illustration we have in the baptism, because the baptism covenant that John Mason and Sarah will take for Benjamin Owen is our pattern of discipleship, is what it means to be a disciple. You know, it's not something Anglicans do. This is something Christians do. All right, so we're going to be making promises with them to follow the Lord. We're going to make promises because this is what Christians do, promising to be in the word every day. To read the scripture because this is God's word which feeds us well. And now do we read it? We study it. Secondly, that we're going to pray together yeah, as a couple and as a family and as a church family. We're people of prayer because we know that when we pray, God moves. I don't know how that works. I've been walking with the Lord a long time. But I know that when I'm going to him in prayer, he moves. He doesn't always move in the way I expect. But he does move. My friends, so we're called to prayer. We're called to fellowship with other believers, and that doesn't mean necessarily over a cup of coffee after the service. That's a good thing. We should do that, but it means doing life together. And I know that's challenging, but this is normal Christianity, brothers and sisters. So if you're not in a group, consider coming tonight to the Bavon Lake group, 6 o'clock. It's pizza night. Stick a DiGiorno in. You know, I don't care. It doesn't even have to be good, right? But come, it's at my house tonight, and what we're going to do is break bread together, encourage one another, and we're going to use this phenomenal documentary video that Brian turned me on to called The American Gospel, and we're going to look at biblical texts about what is the gospel. We're going to take two sessions on the gospel and the other four, how we mess it up in our culture. It's going to be really glorious, and I encourage you to come join us. And this isn't a small group, by the way. You know, we got other groups to be involved in. I'll be rolling those out as the semester starts to go on. But we're starting tonight, so I figured we'd do that. Come join us. The next promise we will make is that we prioritize this time on Sunday mornings. Just like it was a hassle for Joseph and Mary to go, I know for some of you, it was a hassle to come today. You look good. Well done. I'm proud of you. You're here. I'm preaching to the choir. And some of you didn't want to come. You know, especially some of you young people, your parents made you come. Good for you, mom and dad. (laughs) It's God speaks to young people, too, ladies and gentlemen. So, you know, you're here and God uses it as you are here. Next, we're going to make a a promise that whenever we do sin, we will repent and return to the Lord. My, My friends, there's no perfect Christians here. We don't accept perfect Christians. And those who think they are, we will remove. All right? Because we've removed all those who did. All right? They're gone. Thank God. Because we need to be a place that's welcoming to everybody. No matter who you are, where you are in your journey, whether you don't even believe. Bring your questions. Let's walk together. And we know that when we fall short, and we will, and we do, we repent and return to the Lord who always receives us back. And calls us to go and sin no more. We're going to make the promise as well to share the good news in this post-truth culture. (laughs) You know, I know that's a challenge in today's world, but we can do that as we love people, care for them. If we live this covenant this way, it usually tends to prompt questions in people. People start asking, why why, why are you the way you are? And then we can talk about the difference Jesus has made in our lives and, and just start a conversation. If you don't know how to share your faith, come take the Express Your Faith. We teach you how to use a secret Bible study through the Gospel of John that helps see people see who Jesus truly is. We're making a promise that we will do that. Why? Because the Bible calls us to. And the last two promises are all about ministry promises. We involved to get involved in ministry here in the church, outside the church, as well as to the underserved in our community. And so, my friends, that's the message to all our adults, and I hope our young people paid attention to that because it applies to you too. Where are we falling short? Where are we being challenged? Are you the same person you were last year that you are today? Are you the same person that you were five years ago? Lord, have mercy on that person. Because when we're following Christ and growing in the Lord, you change. You're a different person. And so, my friends, it's going to cost us. It always will cost us. So, we're going to see Jesus say this later on in Luke's gospel. He's going to say, If anyone come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me, which means I have to die a thousand deaths a day to be the Christian God calls me to be. There's always something that we have to do in the Lord that I don't necessarily do to my own nature or just to my own selfishness. I don't want to do, but I do do it because God's called me to it. And I know that's where the fulfilling and the abundant life will be truly found. Okay? It's going to cost us adults. All right, that's the lesson for us adults. What's the lesson for our young people? Well, verse 42. Jesus was 12 years old when he went up according to the custom. And you may be thinking, "How in the world could they have lost Jesus? Hello, How many of us have lost our kids in shopping center? You know? My mother-in-law gave Zach and Ben these awesome Baltimore Orioles coats. I mean, they were literally the coats the players wore. She, she spent way too much money. We've saved them because they're so cool. Um, and, and so you couldn't miss my boys. Because they had these bright orange sleeves and it said Orioles across the front. They were really cool. And Kimmy went to Walmart, you know? And this Walmart, and, and Zach was about three years old, Ben was about 18 months or so. <laughs> and all of a sudden, she couldn't find Zach. He was gone somewhere. And it was probably just for about three minutes, but it felt like 15. So she started to cry and panic. He wasn't answering. Zachary, Zachary, where is he? He's not around. And she went to the store, and Walmart was pretty impressive. Adam alert, Adam alert, shut the doors. You know, they the the security ran to the front of the store, and out from the middle of like a kid's clothing section, he pops out and goes, Hi mommy. (laughs) All right? This is what happens, right? And so this is a large caravan of people, and it was the custom back then that the women and the younger children were out in front of the caravan. The men and the older boys especially were in the back of the caravan, and you had all those middle-aged, you know, upper-elementary-age kids that are really getting quirky and what have you, or with cousins and friends all in the middle. And so they traveled back from the Passover one whole day, because Joseph obviously thought he was with Mary, Mary obviously thought he was with Joseph. So they sit around the campus, the, the campfire at night, and go, "Where's Jesus?" So they head back another day. All right, a whole day to just get there. That's day two, and day three they begin to look for him. It took the better part of the day for them to find him. Verse forty-six: After three days, they found him. In the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. So here's the lesson for our young people. If you're in college age and younger, here's how God is speaking to you. Listen. You need to be at a place where you're listening to the word of God under reputable teachers and asking questions. Because there's no defense like the truth. and God's word is true. And you can take any question that you have to it. And I am pleased to announce to you that today we are introduced to you our new assistant, Zach Jones, this good looking young man behind me. He's going to be our assistant rector, who's the minister in charge of family and youth. And we're going to be praying and getting to know one another throughout this year to set up a structure in place where you will have an opportunity to study the Word, to listen to the Word of God, to ask questions, and to minister. It's not a youth group, parents. We don't do youth groups here. We're allies to you to disciple your kids because that's the promises. If you listen to the promises that the Shackelfords are making today, that's what they're making. All right? And we're coming alongside of them saying we're with you. All right? And so, young people, where are you growing? Where are you serving? Just like the adults. Because if you're 14 and up, you should own your faith by now. You should be professing your faith publicly in confirmation, and serving here. There's no such thing as a Sunday morning Christianity only. It makes a difference Sunday to Saturday, not just Sunday. Okay, check, done that, I'm gone. All right? So if you're 14 and above and you have yet to profess your faith in confirmation, what's holding you back? Why? Are you still in an investigative phase? Okay, that's fine. But you shouldn't be receiving communion. Really? I mean, at this stage of the game, you know, you're not ready to step up and profess your faith? Come on. Let's go. You know? So, we want to encourage you to come and partake and serve among us, young people. And the last message is for all of us. It doesn't stop there. It's awesome, by the way. First 48. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching you in great distress. <laughs> so they go back. Can you imagine? You know, he's been, he's been there three days. You know, he obviously had some relationships that were he knew there. He had a place to stay somehow. But he's there. And he's with the finest theological minds of Israel asking them questions and they're amazed at how so wise and insightful Jesus is but Mary is a mom she's scared she's hurt she's angry so she says the words that every mother has said at one time or another your father and I are angry we're upset it it just packs a little more of a wallop you know and that's, that's what happens all right your father is very upset with you. And I think some of that is going on here, but I think what I'm sure of, what Luke is saying to each and every one of us, this is a 12-year-old. And this is signified of the significance of this particular Passover in Jesus' life. And it explains the reference to Jesus' father and Mary's rebuke. Your father and I, how could you treat us like this? So what she is really saying, if you get what she's saying, of all the years, son, of all the years, this is the year you should be sticking with your dad, learning from your dad, knowing the business, learning how to walk like a man of God, learning how to walk out in the community with integrity. And he looks at his mom and says, Mom, I am. I'm listening to my father. You know she says your father, and he says my father? Okay? He says, Mom, it's happening. I am listening to my father. I'm about my father's house. This is the year in which my father is beginning to tell me what to do. Beginning to tell me who I am in new and different ways. And why I'm here. Mom, it's begun. This is great writing by Luke, my friends. Um, We have no exact... We don't know. have any idea how exactly... Jesus knew whether God spoke him to an audible voice. We're unsure. But isn't it fascinating that the year in which the boy begins to understand what he's here for, his heavenly calling, the heavenly father, Jesus' real father, comes and begins to speak about him, who he is, and what he's here to do. He begins to speak about his sonship. And that's the reason why Jesus makes this astounding claim when he says, I'm about my father's house. I'm about my father's business, and here's the you know, and we see in verse fifty that she's so perplexed. Verse fifty, read it along with me, and they did not understand the saying that he spoke to him. You know, it's very difficult for us to understand uh, the momentous nature of what Jesus said because we live in an individualistic Western society. That this is an Eastern ancient. Near Middle Eastern context where you do not talk to your parents like this. And so in Eastern cultures, obedience to the parents, loyalty to the parents, loyalty to the family is the ultimate duty. And she's come and said, you've distressed us and you've distressed the family. You know, the ultimate duty that you have And Jesus says, I have a relationship with God that transcends and revitalizes my relationship with you, Mom. I have a relationship with God beyond anything anyone else has ever had. Deeper and different than any other relationship anyone has ever had with the Lord. And Judaism seldom refers to God as the Father. And yet here Jesus is talking about our Heavenly Father. And he tells his followers that we can call him Father too. Matter of fact, we can call him Daddy. So on the one hand, Jesus is making this great, enormous claim; he's the holy, awesome God. And yet, verse fifty-one says, "And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them." You know, it, it, it does the majesty of God combined with the humility of God. We begin to see traits combined in Jesus we could never imagine could be in one person. He is completely God, completely human. And this is for all of us, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus Christ is the only unique, natural, perfect Son of God. And it's through Him we, too, can be adopted sons and daughters into His kingdom if we will allow Him to be our Lord and our Savior. When you place God first in the center of your being, in the center of your relationships, and it's from that relationship all your other relationships flow, you begin to look like the Son of God. You begin to look like the daughter of God. And in a small way, we begin to embody a little bit of the holiness and a little bit of the humility of our Lord to our culture. And all of a sudden, they begin to tilt their heads and say, why are you the way you are? Well, see, it it transforms our identity. It makes us different because our identity is in Jesus, not in ourselves. Because God was pleased with Jesus' sacrifice for you. When God took that little boy Jesus that year, he was supposed to learn about the real meaning of Passover. Can you imagine at 12 years old, Jesus sitting at the Passover table while the Passover lamb was slain? recognizing what he was about to go do. Finally, something began to happen in his heart. And I want you to know, you're never going to understand your sonship or your daughtership unless you understand Jesus' sacrifice for you. If you look to yourself and your performance, you're not a son or a daughter, you're a hired servant. Jesus invites us to the table. Come, you're my son, you're my daughter. My father took my sacrifice for you. And it was as if on that cross, I had done everything you did, and by trusting in me, you're doing everything that I did. That's how you're seen. A daughter of the king. A son of the king. That's what Jesus did. we got to get that as we walk through the epiphany. Because this is what it's all about. You have to understand that God in the flesh has come in great majesty and great meekness for our sake. And there's no perfect Christians here, right? So because of that, it takes time. Each and every week. At a great cost. It's going to cost you sleep. It's going to cost you, uh, what else? Time. Time. But what happens is God will feed your soul, just like he fed Jesus through his word. Do you you, you not think that he already knew about Psalm 2? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you think he didn't already know about Isaiah 42, Isaiah 53, Isaiah 60 that we read earlier? But when the Holy Spirit explained to him what they meant and brought it home in power to him, he said, this is it. I get it. So we're going to do what Jesus did. Go to the Bible. Walk through Luke all year long so that we too may be certain because we are called to live in this culture today. And, you know, Matthew, Mark, and John are pretty good too. And by the way, the first 39 books are the basis of it all. So let's read the scripture together. Let's let it speak to our hearts, just like it did to Jesus. And as you do so, I encourage you, as you sit down and you read it each and every day, just pray to the Lord, Lord, show me your excellence. Show me your glory. Show me your sacrifice. Make this real to my heart. Speak to me. And he will. Will you do that this year? Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for giving us what we need to know, and that is, through Jesus Christ, we all, each and every one of us, can be your sons and daughters. And we ask that you would help us realize that in our own lives. Perhaps some of us don't even have the understanding that we need because we've never really asked for this relationship with you. And Lord, there may be others who have asked for the relationship, but not experienced it or living out of it. And we ask, Lord, that you would help both of those groups of people to know the spirit of sonship, the spirit of daughtership. And for those of us who are sons and daughters, that we would walk in that full reality throughout this year like never before. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.